A quick warning before we begin. This episode will contain the names of people and places that are entirely fictional, which I'm sure to mispronounce often. I hope you'll find it in your heart to forgive me. Enjoy the show. Between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of, when shining kingdoms lay spread across the world. Hither came Conan, the Cimmerian, sword in hand. It is I, his chronicler, who knows well his saga. Now let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Welcome to Hither Came Conan. I'm your host, my name is Stephen, and this is a new podcast in which I'm going to be reading the original Robert E. Howard Conan stories, along with the various comic book adaptations, comparing and contrasting the two, and hopefully learning a little something about myself along the way. Now, before we start, this particular episode is going to need a short explanation, and frankly, I'm going to need a bit of explaining as well. First off, since this is episode one, and since this might be your first time listening to any podcast ever hosted by me, I need you to know four very important things. Number one, I am not to be taken too seriously. Don't do it. That path only leads to disappointment and heartbreak. Joker breaking my head. Number two, I get distracted quite easily, and I tend to go off on tangents without any warning whatsoever. I call it tangenting, and when it happens, it may or may not have anything at all to do with Conan. Number three, I don't know an awful lot about either Conan or Robert E. Howard. Then the hell with you! My current level of knowledge comes from the two Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and a handful of comics, which leads us into our last item. Number four, I'm not a big fan of research. <laughs> In other words, this is not necessarily going to be the kind of show in which I give you a lesson on Conan or Robert E. Howard or both. I will look into things now and again, you know, basically anything that comes up in my reading that I feel like I need to know a bit more about. So I'll look that kind of stuff up. And when I do, I will surely share that information with all of you. But in general, no. Not a lot of teaching going on here in this podcast. I'm not an expert, and I should not be regarded as one. We need your expertise, sir. Now, as for this episode, it's going to be slightly different than any of the other episodes going forward, if only for one particular reason. See, I had actually started this Conan podcast idea thing over on Just Another Fanboy, a podcast that I've been doing for years. I recorded one Conan episode, and then I went on to other things, vowing to myself that one day, one day I would come back to it. Well, that day is now. I'm ready to do more, and rather than continue them as a part of Just Another Fanboy, I kind of felt that the subject is a bit more important, and because of that, garners its own show. However, since I've already taken the time to record that one episode, over there on Just Another Fanboy, I figured, why duplicate my effort? Am I right? Am I right or am I right or am I right? Right, right, right. What I'm trying to say here, folks, is that the meat 
of this episode is going to be mostly pre-released material. I've gone in and I've removed all the junk that refers to it being an episode of Just Another Fanboy, but it will seem like kind of an abrupt start when we get to it here in a moment, which is why I'm going to place a bit of transitional music between this bit and that bit. I know this bit, that bit, I should stop using so much technical jargon. Anyway, how about we just get into it? Episode one of Hither Came Conan, the Frost Giant's daughter. Enjoy. Into the boat. I'm not here to talk about the movies. I'm actually here to talk about the books and the comics. See, this was a character created by Robert E. Howard back in the 30s. His first appearance was in the short story, The Phoenix on the Sword from 1932. And it was in that story that Conan is described as Conan, the Sumerian, black-haired, sullen-eyed, sword in hand, a thief, a reaver, a slayer with gigantic melancholies and gigantic mirth to tread the jeweled thrones of the earth under his sandaled feet. I've always enjoyed that description. I think that's a it's a it's an excellent description of a character, especially in their first story. And you know what? I rather like the idea of just being out there treading the jeweled thrones of earth under my sandaled feet. But honestly, when I really give that a lot of thought, it sounds like a lot of work. Anyway, a number of years ago, I bought this book. I had been really in the mood to read some Conan because I had some past experience with the character. You know, I had seen Conan the Destroyer, which... I believe was PG or PG-13. I hadn't seen Conan the Barbarian uh, at the time because it was rated R. And so when Conan the Destroyer came out, I think on HBO, because we certainly didn't go see it in the theaters, I just, I would watch it all the time. I was huge into the whole sword and sorcery thing as a kid. Still am. Uh, read a lot of fantasy novels and uh, read a bit of Conan in the Marvel comics uh, who had the license for a while back in the 70s. Dark Horse picked up the license in the 2000s, and I read some of that. And then Marvel has since got the license back. But a, a number of years back, I had just begun thinking. I, I was just, I think I was working my second job at the Walgreens, and I was uh, up at the counter trying to avoid work between customers. And I, I got to thinking about the character and how. I had owned a couple of books that I don't know if my brother picked them up or my dad picked them up, but they were a couple of paperbacks. And I, I remember them being around the house, but I never read them. And I do recall at one point picking up a hardback of a Conan book that Robert Jordan had written because before he became famous from writing the, the Wheel of Time series, he had written some Conan stuff. And I, I, again, I don't remember anything about that book. If it was a collection of Robert Jordan Conan short stories of, or if it was a full novel, I'll have to check into that. But I just, I got to really thinking about how much I would probably enjoy reading Conan in the form of prose. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I would probably really enjoy reading the Robert Jordan stuff, but I should probably start with the, 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 the original Robert E. Howard stories. 
And so I had picked up my phone and I started to look around on on Amazon to see what they had for the the Kindle. And I had found a collection that was even on the Kindle was like 35, 45 bucks or something. And I just found that to be rather insane. And so I just kind of walked away from the whole affair and became really sad. And then a day or two later, I get this alert from Amazon saying, hey, here's something that you might be interested in because you were uh, looking at Conan stuff. And it was a, a different collection of short stories, the original, the original 21 short stories. And it was only 99 cents. It was on sale. It was 99 cents for the Kindle. And so I picked that sucker up. It was called Conan, The Collected Adventures of the World's Fiercest Barbarian. And again, it collects all 21 short stories that Robert E. Howard had written. And 17 of those stories uh, did see print during his lifetime. He he sold a lot of them to uh, various magazines and whatnot. But I remember at one point, I, I started to read these short stories. And the first one in there is a story. Uh, in the book, it's entitled The Gods of the North. And as I started reading it, I realized, wait a minute, this is the the Frost Giant's daughter, which is, uh, I think I had a paperback with that story in it. Uh, the, the cover seems familiar to me, but it was uh, a story I remember reading in the Dark Horse run. And so I, I read it in the book and I, I kept going. I, I, I went through a number of the short stories before I realized at one point, because I started doing some research online and found out that... Uh, the way the stories are collected in this book, they're collected uh, chronologically in Conan's history. Um, if Conan was a real person, uh, the Frost Giant's daughter, or in this case, the the title in the in the the collection was the Gods of the North, would have been Conan's first adventure, and then eventually, I think the Phoenix on the Sword is the last story or one of the last stories in the book. And it's set at a time when Conan has become a king. And I was I was just freaking flabbergasted and blown away to find out that the Phoenix on the Sword was actually the first of the Conan stories that were published. And uh, I found that kind of amazing because I knew that Conan eventually had become a king. Uh, they make mention of it in the movies. They had a book. Uh, Marvel Comics had a book called Conan the King. But. I had always assumed, uh, because the Marvel comics started when he was, um, you know, young, uh, late teens probably. And eventually he gets to the point that he's a, uh, a king that that's how the, the stories went. But no, he had a, I don't know the order in which he wrote them because doing some, some more research, I found out that he had actually had both the Phoenix on the sword and the Frost Giant's daughter along with a third story the God in the bowl and that he had submitted all three of those to a magazine called weird tales. Uh, the, the Phoenix on the sword was the only one that was accepted. The other two were rejected and, and returned to, to Mr. Howard. Uh, and so the Phoenix on the sword became the first Conan story published. And so he had, I, I, I don't know. I find it interesting that he had this, um, at least a, a range of stories set throughout Conan's career. He had the Frost Giant's daughter, which is considered the the uh, uh, Conan's earliest adventure, and then the Phoenix on the Sword, which is considered Conan's uh, like one of his final adventures. But 
what I want to do here, though, with these uh, series of episodes that I'm taking, I'm taking a really long time to explain. Um, it's been a while since I've read any of those short stories out of that collection. And, and frankly, I've, I've never finished because I had started from the beginning, read three or four of the stories, learned that they're not collected in the order in which they were published, and then decided to try and read them in the order in which they were published, which is, is not an easy, it's, it's not always an easy thing to do to jump back and forth among stories like that in a Kindle. I mean, I mean, it is, it's got a fricking, uh, table of contents that you can just click on the, the stories. But anyway, I never finished reading that collection and many of those stories, I don't know actually, actually how many of them, what percentage, but, uh, at least a few of them have been adapted into, comic books, be it through uh, the Marvel series or the Dark Horse series, or there's a, a, a company called Ablaze, which around the same time that Marvel got the Conan license, Ablaze is able to, to do, I guess, I guess the Conan stories are, maybe they are um, in the public domain at this point, but the name Conan isn't. And so Ablaze does a series of comics, uh, miniseries comics under the title The Sumerian, which is apparently how they can get away with doing Conan stories. They can call him Conan within the books, but they can't call him Conan on the title because Marvel holds that license. Anyway, what I thought I'd do is I'd go uh, back through the collection, starting with uh, the, the first story, and uh, read the short story and then read as many of the comic book adaptions as I could get my hands on. Hither Came Conan will return after these messages. And now back to Hither Came Conan. So again, the first one, the, the one we're talking about today is called The Frost Giant's Daughter. Uh, it appears in the uh, prose collection as a story called The Gods of the North, which I find it kind of odd that they're using that title in the collection because based on my research, when Robert E. Howard had this story and he had it called The Frost Giant's Daughter and he submitted it to Weird Tales and it was rejected, he changed the, the name of the main character from Conan to Amra of Arkbitana. And he changed the title then to The Gods of the North and resubmitted it to a magazine called The Fantasy Fan. And it appeared there in March of 1934. It then eventually got reprinted as a Conan story uh, for Gnomes Press in 1953 uh, for something called The Coming of Conan. And I don't know if it retained the title at that point, uh, The Gods of the North or if they went ahead and gave it the original title, The Frost Giant's Daughter, in that uh, that that publication, which I don't know if that's a magazine or a collection of stories, I, I don't know, of, or or if it's a one of those like one of those paperbacks that I have that that has three or four of the short stories together in one paperback. But it's in this collection that I'm reading under the name of The Gods of the North, and it's actually a, a fairly simple tale. Uh, Conan is in the north. Uh, uh, in the land of the ice and snow. And he is, at this point, he's he's kind of a, a, a traveling warrior. Um, I don't know if he's considered a mercenary at this point, but he is. he's fighting with a group of people called the 
Iser. I, I had to. I, I found many pr- ways to to pronounce this. Uh, the name of these people. Um, apparently, this uh, a lot of this comes from um, Norse mythology. He was uh, Robert Howard was very inspired by Norse mythology, and so the 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 Frost Giant's daughter takes place in Nordheim, which is um, in this world is located north of Samaria, which is where Conan comes from. Um, and again, he's fighting with these, uh, warriors called the Acer and they are, uh, or Icer and they are fighting the Vanir. And as the tale takes up, the, the battle is, is pretty much over. Everybody on each side is dead except for Conan and a red haired Vanir. And Conan, of course, slays his enemy. And as he's standing there in the snow covered in blood, tired and exhausted uh suddenly he is visited by a half naked lady who calls herself Atali she is wearing a um kind of like a, a a veil uh a pashmina maybe of some sort wrapped around her upper torso it's very transparent it doesn't leave a lot to the imagination and uh she she kind of mocks conan and in essence, kind of angers him and builds up his lust and kind of tricks him into following her. And she takes him to an ambush where he is attacked by her two brothers who are frost giants. And Conan, of course, kills them both. And he chases down Atali and he grabs her up in her arms. And Atali calls out to her father, Ymir, the saver. And Conan, who uh, there's really no bones about it. He is about to rape this woman when her father uh, saves her uh, using a, uh, a lightning strike because Ymir is the is, is a god. He's a the god of the frost giants or, or, or something of some sort. So Conan is knocked unconscious by this lightning strike. And when he wakes, he is uh, he finds himself in the company of his uh the 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 icer who he had been fighting with or or at least a, a group of them that were not part of the battle and it's almost played off as if this encounter that he had with atali the the frost giant's daughter uh was a figment of his imagination or a dream but then he realizes at the end of the story that he's still holding on to this translucent veil thing that she had been wearing around her torso now i will say that i i'm of all the Conan stories that I've read so far, whether they are comic book stories or prose stories, this is really not one of my favorites. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that Conan was uh, going to rape this woman. And there's a lot of, if, if, you, if you look up this story online and you look at the debate, there's a lot of debate that goes back and forth. And a lot of it that defends, you know, a lot of the, 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 the from the people that defend the story basically say that under normal circumstances, this is not something that Conan would do. But Atali, being a the daughter of a god and a witch, used her magic to basically ensnare him sexually, that she uses her magic to raise his lust, and that's what she uses to to, to cause him to chase her. And so, therefore... It's her fault that he was going to rape her. And I've even seen some of the arguments basically say that 
if Ymir had not saved her, then she would have gotten what she deserved. And I'll just say I, I don't agree with that in in any sense. Um, not a big fan of any story in which uh, the main character that you're supposed to be cheering for either attempts to or is going, you know, wh- whether they 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 do rape a woman or they attempt to rape a woman. I'm just I'm not a big I'm not a fan of that. I can't I can't get behind that. Even if um, I don't know, even if they are. I mean, I guess if he truly was trying to find the word that I'm looking for. I don't want to say he was magicked to uh to to rape this woman, but in essence that's that's one of the arguments and you can certainly make that argument. I mean, it's it's not spelled out. It doesn't really say that in the story. It's kind of something that you would have to make up your own mind about. I don't I don't remember thinking that when I read the story. I don't remember finishing the story and thinking um that he was being forced against his will to chase down this woman and then uh, attempt to rape her. I remember finishing the story going, wow, uh, yeah, he was going to rape this girl. That I don't know if I want to even continue with any of these stories. And eventually I did, uh, but not a big fan of this particular story because of that. And for those folks out there who do try to defend it, I just, I can't get behind that defense. I just, I just can't because... Again, when I read it, I don't know, maybe my, maybe my memory has been clouded by the act of attempted rape and I missed that aspect of it. But I just I honestly don't remember anywhere in the story in which it's made clear that he's doing this against his will, that magic is being used uh, against him. Now, beyond the prose version of this story, this uh, story has been adapted into a number of comics. Originally, uh, for Marvel Comics, when they originally got the, the Conan license, they printed this story in a, in Savage Tales issue number one, in January of 1971. It was an 11 page story, black and white by, uh, writer Roy Thomas and artist Barry Windsor Smith. This was, of course, uh, I believe it's, it was one of the magazines that Marvel published at the time. And because it was a magazine, they were not, they didn't have to follow the rules of the Comics Code Authority. So while it's not graphic, there is a slight bit of nudity in it from, from what I remember. Boobs. It was reprinted in Conan the Barbarian issue number 16 from April of 1972 in color. It has an extra page, so it's, it's 12 pages. This is, again, through Marvel Comics. And it was uh, because I... I Having having looked through these and, and and rereading them, there is at least one panel in which in the original Atali, and I don't remember if that's the name she's given in the comic. And looking it up here, just just I I just looked it up, and it is Atali. That's that's the name she's given in the comic. Uh, but she there uh, there's at least one panel that in the original she's standing there with that thin transparent gossamer veil in front of her her chest area seriously boobs and you can see through it in the savage tales version but you cannot see through it in the conan the barbarian version how great are boobs they're pretty great because that is it wasn't a magazine it was a comic book at that point and so it fell under the Comics Code Authority guidelines. Uh, they reprinted it a third time for Savage Sword of Conan, number one, from June of 1974. This was another black and white magazine. So again, 12 pages, Roy Thomas and Barry Windsor Smith. 
Then in 2004, when Dark Horse picked up the license, in issue number two of their comic that they just titled Conan uh, from March of 2004, they did a a 22-page adaptation of The Frost Giant's Daughter. It was written by Kurt Busiek, uh, art by Carrie Nord, letters by Richard Starkings, and the colorist was David Stewart. They added a bit to the story. Because, uh, again, this was issue number two of the series, and they were trying to do kind of a not uh, separate stories per issue. They kind of were, were trying a like a five to six issue storyline, as they were known to do at that point. You know, they started to do to I don't want to I don't want to use the term right for the trade, but that's what a lot of stories had started doing. And so um, they just kind of wove the frost giant's daughter into the main story that they were uh that they were telling there over those five or six issues and so the 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 events of the frost giant's daughter appeared in issue number two of that book and then the only other comic book adaptation that i'm aware of is uh from ablaze comics which i talked about earlier they did a three issue mini called the Sumerian. The Frost Giant's Daughter, it ran from December of 2020 to February of 2021. Each issue was 32 pages. It was written by Robin Recht and uh, also art by Robin Recht. They also have Robert E. Howard listed as the writer. Uh, I believe that they actually were reprinting the short story in installments in the back matter of each three of these issues. And this is this is a, uh, a, a an extended adaptation. I mean, they took what, in essence, you know, Marvel Comics did a eleven page adaptation of this story, and that was really all you needed because, again, there's not a lot to this tale. It's literally just Conan fights a dude in the ice and snow. He wins. This half naked girl appears, and she's like, "Oh, hey, big muscly warrior guy, follow me." He he chases her. He is uh, ambushed by two frost giants. He kills them both. He snatches her up, and then she's saved by her father. And uh, he wakes up to learn that it might have been a dream and that it actually wasn't. This, however, they add a lot to it. They the the whole first issue is the battle between the uh, Iser and the Veneer, and uh, Tali is watching the battle. She's very into it. One of the things that I did kind of leave out is 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 that it seems that she likes to uh, choose the the mightiest warrior, then present that warrior's heart to her father uh, as a gift, basically. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. And so she's watching the battle, and she's she's really into it. She's waiting for the to pick out the the mightiest warrior. And then at the end of the issue, of course, we learn that that mighty warrior is Conan. And so. There's a lot in the second issue where he actually travels with her for a little bit, spends the night, and it's it's like the next day that she she starts mocking him and taunting him that he starts chasing her and her 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 two brothers that he ends up fighting are end up not being frost giants in this but two well they're two giant polar bears and then everything kind of kind of happens the way it does in the story. I mean all that is there but there's just a lot more added to it. And this particular version of Conan, these, these Sumerian books, are uh, uncensored, as they say. They're for mature readers. And so there's, 
There's nudity in this story. So these boobs. Hmm. Paint me a word picture. All right, Ted. And there's even almost a, a drawn out um, scene where, um, and, and it might be, if I'm trying to remember now, because it's been a, a couple of days since I read it and reading all these back to backs, they, they, they kind of flow into each other a bit. But I, I believe it is when, here, I'll tell you what, let me just look it up real quick. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. I mean, really, it's not going to, there, there's not a lot you're going to have to do to uh, occupy yourself as I'm looking this up because any dead time, any, any, any dead air, I'm just going to edit out anyway. But there's a whole segment in the, in the second issue because the whole part of the storyline where she is trying to entice him takes place over most of the second issue. And she's really like, uh, she, she's showing him some stuff. And at one point, as he's chasing her, he falls into a pit and there's like all these dead warriors around him or whatnot. And she takes that time to start. Uh, well, she starts touching herself in a, in a rather private way. That's too much information. And uh, so, yeah, it's while the, the book isn't hardcore pornographic, it's definitely uh, a mature reader's book. It's. I think one of the issues I saw online uh, has it listed as ages 16 and up, which is, uh, um, yeah, it's issue number three. The other two just say mature and issue three says mature and then in parentheses 16 and up. So I don't know if that means that they consider the the first two issues more mature uh, than the third issue and that um, the third issue is only kind of mature. If, if you're 16, you, you're, you're fine. But uh, or, or if all three are considered 16 and up, but I think it would be silly to have the first two issues be rated uh, more mature than the third issue. That would be kind of like having a, a trilogy of movies and each one are, are, are rated differently. But, you know, it is what it is. Not really sure why I'm really going into so much detail in regard to the ratings on that particular book. But looking back over the various adaptations, of the Frost Giant's daughter. I uh I don't know if I had to choose one that was my favorite, it would be this newest one, the Sumerian three issue miniseries, if only because it I don't know, it expands more upon the story. It takes this idea that Robert E. Howard had created and made it into something just well well, they just fleshed it out a bit more. Now Having read the issues, however, I don't know that I would have enjoyed purchasing these issues, you know, as single issues and reading the story each month, because even with them, you know, padding out, fleshing out the story, there, there's still not a whole lot to it. And so when you read each issue by itself and then you have to wait a month for the next issue, there just it doesn't feel like there's a lot there until you put it all together and read all three issues at the same time. Uh, the art was gorgeous. Now, the art's really good on all three adaptations, whether it's Barry Windsor Smith over there on the, the Marvel version, Carrie Nord on the Dark Horse version, or Robin Recht here on the Sumerian. The, the art is, is gorgeous on all three. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I would, like I said, I would probably choose the Sumerian as my favorite of the three adaptations, but all in all, the story itself, I'm not a big fan of. I've, I've said that already. It's not, not one of my favorite Conan stories. It's probably, uh, 
Having not read all 21 of them yet, at this point, it's probably my least favorite of all the Conan stories, which is kind of a shame because most collections of Robert E. Howard's Conan stories start out with the Frost Giant's daughter because they tend to, when they when they put these collections together, they tend to uh, list the stories in order of, in chronological terms, in regard to Conan's fictional uh, life. So... Even though the Phoenix on the Sword, which is set at the end, you know, when Conan is a king, is was the first one that got published. The Frost Giant's Daughter is the first one that they print in these collections because it's set in, early in Conan's history. The first, uh, what would be the first story in Conan's fictional life, basically. So, yeah. Well, there you go, folks. One episode down. Episode two will land next month because, well, I guess I didn't specify at the beginning, but for the time being, episodes are going to release monthly. A month? Yikes. I know. I'm sorry. I wish I could do them more often and we may get there, but for now, I don't want to promise anything that I'm not going to be able to deliver. Anyway, as I said, episode two is going to land around this time next month, and I'm going to be looking at the Phoenix on the Sword, which as of the time I'm recording this, was adapted by Marvel Comics in Conan the Barbarian Annual Number 2 from June of 1976, as well as the four-issue miniseries King Conan, The Phoenix on the Sword, from Dark Horse Comics that ran from January to April of 2012. So there, you have a month to read the Robert E. Howard story, either of the two comic book adaptations, or all three. Until then, folks... My name is Steven, and this has been Hither Came Conan. Bye! Hither Came Conan is a production of Stephen or Else Media. Find more podcasts at stephenorelse.com. Questions and comments can be directed to feedback at hithercameconan.com or join us on social media. Just look for at Conan Podcast on Twitter and Blue Sky and at Hither Came Conan on Instagram, Threads, and Facebook. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate the show over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Members of the Super Secret Steven Society get episodes early and ad-free, and some tiers have access to exclusive bonus episodes. Sign up now using the link in the show notes, or just go to secretsociety.hithercameconan.com. Memberships start at just a dollar a month. And hey, thanks for listening. Many wars and feuds did Conan fight. Honor and fear were heaped upon his name. In time, he became a king by his own hand. This story shall also be told. Number three, I don't know an awful lot about either Conan or... <clears throat> Number three, I don't know an awful lot about either Conan... Blah, 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 blah. Number three, I don't... Episode one of Hither Name Conan. Episode one of Hither Came Conan. <clears throat> Don't think I can move through life knowing that a guy named Steven did this to me. How could you let this happen, Steven? Enough talk!